And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Small Biz Matters, the half-hour program where you work on your business rather than in it. My name is Alexi Boyd, and I'm here to take you through the small business journey that is sometimes complete chaos, sometimes uh, total annihilation, and sometimes, as the last 24 hours have been for me, quite traumatic, but we won't go into that at all, will we? Um, but we've all been there, we've all had those ups and downs, but, you know, as you say, just see the next hill, climb up on it, and there's always a, a light at the end of the tunnel. And the light at the end of the tunnel can sometimes be your awesome clients. And today we're talking a little bit about trying to get some more of those awesome clients, the ones that you want, the ones that bring you um, good revenue, the ones that you enjoy working with. Uh, and that's um, and that kind of falls in the category of sales. Now, it's not a word that's used a lot lately. Um, I, I must say when I've been hitting a lot of networking groups in the last few months, most people don't say I'm in sales. In fact, I haven't had a single person with the exception of today's guest say to me, I work in that, in that area. Most people say marketing. And we've all heard the social media marketing. We've heard online. We've heard print. We've heard website. We've heard about your your presence, about your uh, you know your your look and feel, what you look like, how you present yourself, how you dress. We talk about that a lot, but nobody uses that word sales. Is it is it because it's old fashioned? Well, no. It's because it seems to be. I guess, diluted into the world of marketing. But it's really important as a small business owner that we understand the difference, that we know that there is a very clear and distinct difference between what we need to think of in our business as sales and what we need to think of as marketing. And that's what we've got um, our wonderful guest today here from uh, your sales manager. That's Gary. Welcome to the program, Gary. Thank you very much, Alexi. Now, you don't, um, you don't come from the uh, the Hornsby area. You, you come from the Central Coast. But I guess you see Hornsby as a little bit of a, it's a bit of a jump off point, isn't it, from the Central Coast to the city? And, and this is what we'd like to see more of in Hornsby, it, it, us becoming a bit of a focal point for business. Do you, um, what do you think of the business community out of curiosity in, in our I, Hornsby area? I'm impressed with what I see. I went to a chamber event recently, which is obviously where I met yourself. And um, yeah, the, the uh, engage, engagement that I had with the, the respective businesses over there was uh, amazing. And uh, I'm enthused about what I see working in the in the Hornsby area. And obviously, it's a, it is a good hop of point. So mm. it, it works well for me to be engaging in this part of the in, mm. in this mm. part of the, the city. So definitely. And tell me about your small business journey, because we always love to hear about uh, why people have fallen into their particular area of expertise. Tell me a little bit about the last few years. So I've been in um, sales for the last 28 years, working principally in larger corporates, but also in smaller small and medium businesses. And over the, that time, I've just seen so many and had so many people tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, Gary, how should I do this? Where would I do that? How would I apply this sales technique? Um, how do I get more out of what it is that I'm doing today? And I just thought there's so much knowledge and skill that I've learned over the years. And, I, and I've had a really awesome career. So selling has been great to me and I, and I still love selling. I really am passionate about it. So I just thought, why wouldn't I take that skill and knowledge to small and medium businesses and help them to do better with what it is that they're doing in their sales activities and journeys uh, in, in this modern world of B2B sales? Does it differ much? I mean, a lot of people when they come out of that corporate sector say, yep, the skills just transfer quite easily across. Have you found that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. In, in fact, there's, there's probably too much rigor in the in the big end of town and um, there's a little more flexibility in the small end which is which, which is what's needed absolutely needed and, and so to to the um, to the credit of small businesses they've obviously got that ability to be not more nimble uh, yeah to, to get it's what done. we're good at really yeah. just being flexible nimble and and uh, and I guess open to new things uh, well not even new things we're talking about something that's 
been around for as long as people have traded, really, in, in the concept of sales. And one of the things I think, um, you know, when when you engage with a consultant to come into your business, you've, you've made the decision that you need assistance with this particular aspect, or maybe you've got, as we're going to talk about a bit later, you've got staff in that role who aren't doing a great job. What would you expect if someone approaches um, someone who is a sales trainer, such as yourself, or a sales consultant? What sort of a conversation should they be having? Uh, I guess it, it, it's a it's a, a complete view of the business. So, what what are the key business initiatives? What are they dr- striving to achieve? Is it to grow customers and and the number of customers? Is it to grow revenue? Is it to grow profitability? So, really have an understanding of what what they're trying to achieve. Um, have a clear understanding of their marketplace. So, where is it that they're playing? And who's doing the selling? So if it's a very small business and you've got the MD, for example, who might be the the salesman, how good is he or she at selling um, as opposed to bringing in somebody that would do the job better potentially or to supplement what that person's doing because they don't have enough time to get out and do the act of selling? So there's a raft of questions that you would you know, want to make sure that 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 business has got everything aligned to be successful in their sales activities and engagements. You know, things like websites and making sure that their websites are absolutely aligned to um, delivering value for the customers that they're trying to attract so that customers that log onto that site or that, that hit their website can instantly see what they do and what their promise of value is um, because it's, you know, as you and I know, you're one click away from going to the next competitor mm. Mm. Um, so you need to make sure that your you, you know your website is very clear and crystal clear about what your your promise of value is it's like a lot of things when we engage with someone outside of our business you you take the step you say right okay uh, this is not a hat I'm good at wearing or I'm too good at wearing it and I need to explain you know, remove myself from everything else. Both of those things require a little bit of training by the sounds of it. So when you say that there's some fundamental things that you mentioned profit, you know, do you want to increase sales? Do you want to increase your client base or profitability? Is it a matter of sort of really looking at your client base and saying, do I want more from my existing customers as in I want to upsell them to a new product or do I want to increase my client base with the existing product and, and smaller offerings? Is that something that you or a good sales consultant would sit down with someone and go through or is that something they need to prepare in advance of engaging? No, that is the type of thing that you, you know, that I would sit down or as a a professional consultant would sit down and and, uh, and analyse is to say what is the capacity to actually have cross-sell, upsell in your existing client base to actually drive that extra revenue or profit. If there's not a lot of capacity to do that, then it has to come from new business. So the focus needs to shift to being on new business. Um, so it's a case of understanding what the product or service is that that business is selling and what's the scope for up, up cross and upsell within their existing client base to then say, well, we can get that revenue and profit from there or we need to look further afield. I can imagine some, some people sitting at home might be thinking to themselves, well, how can someone else possibly know my product or my offering as much as I can. I should be the one doing this. Yeah, maybe I need to take a step away from the doing in the business and do go back to the selling. But not everybody's a natural born salesman, are they? No, that's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think uh, you, you get born into, uh, you know, the, the, the joy of wanting to sell. Uh, everyone will have you know, will do it if they have to do it. Mm. And they may not do a particularly good job of it because they don't enjoy doing it. So if you love it, you're going to do well at doing it. Um, but to answer your question, I think it's about answering the tough questions. So when somebody like me comes in or a consultant comes in and says, tell me how you will or would cross-sell and upsell to this customer, 
and give me the very real working example of how that's going to play out. So the conversation. The conversation with the business owner or the sales rep that's on the floor doing the work. Oftentimes that's where things get squirmish because they're not sure that they know how to do it. And Mm. so it's really asking the tough questions and fleshing out how that will happen in a real sense. And I don't have to be an expert in their business or their product or service that they're selling. I have to be more of an expert around asking the question about you step me through how this is going to happen in reality Mm. so that we understand whether you have the capacity to cross-sell, upsell, Mm. or do we go and look for new business? Mm. So it's quickly flushed out. Yeah, yeah. And and, and I guess and that that's what comes with the experience, dealing with consultants who have got those multi-level, lots of different conversations, working with small business, working with multinationals. You kind of learn how to have those different conversations with a variety of clients and that's where the skill is really. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely. And we're all good at that. We're all good at our particular skill. We're good at having those client conversations, sometimes difficult ones, but we're also quite good at uh, not necessarily upselling, but just through our own personalities. How do you capture that? Because I wonder how an outside person coming into the role who suddenly ringing existing clients and they're going, hang on, I've got a relationship with this guy why is this guy calling me about the same product? How do you get past that element of conversation? You mean as a, as a consultant making those calls? Yeah, say you've engaged with them and you've started calling their database or their, their, their leads. It, it, it depends on the engagement because it might be that you actually are saying I'm ringing representing this company so that you, you know they actually acknowledge or I'm acknowledging that I'm uh, making the call on behalf of another company mm. and I'm doing the uncovering, I'm doing the unearthing of the opportunity to say, we know you buy this today, but you know, would you be interested in X or Y? Or there's an affinity product that's a natural extension of what it is or service uh, that's a natural extension of what it is that they sell today. Mm. Um, and so it may not be that I'm the deep expertise uh, or have deep product or, or uh, um uh, expertise or knowledge, but uh, what I'm doing is I'm paving the way for somebody else to go and have that discussion. So I'm really setting up the appointment for the person that is the expert to go and have that discussion with the with that prospect or that customer. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so one of the things that um, when when someone like a small business is going to engage with with someone in your position, they're going to be you're going to need a couple of things. And obviously, the main thing is, as you said, a website that's that's clear so that this as you said we were talking about it the other day it's one click isn't it it's you're one click away from literally having someone go well this is a waste of my time so you need you need to make sure that that's all there is that something that someone in your position might do they might give advice on how better to improve the website if it's looking yeah absolutely clunky? because uh the website ties back into the unique value proposition of the business and its products and services and if there isn't something that's clearly defined there that can be easily articulated both verbally and on a website, then um, you are that one click away because people will look at the site and go, I don't understand what that is or I'm not clear about what it is that you do. And so they're on to the next one that where it jumps out and hits them and goes, oh, yes, I know exactly what they do um, because you probably would have seen the numbers today, but 80% of customers have all but made their decision before they even talk to you because they've done their research online, as you and I do when we purchase products or services in a retail sense so mm, mm. Um, it's not too different in, in, a, in a business sense and so that content that's on the website needs to be very clear unique business value or unique promise of value needs to be very clearly articulated so that they go yes I want to talk to that business. Mm. And something else that they must have I guess because you can't just be 
basically pulling out the white pages. Is there a white page? Oh, is there even a white pages anymore? <laughs> you can't just be pulling those out and just starting to ring around. They need to have some sort of a database. Now, I think when I say that to people, go people go, oh no, I, I mean, is that a spreadsheet? Is that a is that a piece of software that I have to have already been building up? Um, can it just be a list? Uh, what in your mind, for someone who with zero experience as to what a CRM should look like? What would you like to see to begin the sales process? I just think, and even for me in my own business, um, I just it, it's impossible to run a business without a CRM or a customer relationship management application of some description. I don't believe that any business can be truly successful without one because it becomes that digital footprint of the business. It becomes a, a, a true um, working uh, platform for how you manage your customers mm -hmm. moving forwards. And so when you say to me today as a potential prospect, Gary, I'm interested in your product or service, but can you give me a call back in three months or five months or six months? I need to capture that somewhere where I get an automatic reminder in six months. But that also tells me what did we talk about when I spoke to you six months ago? I'm not going to remember the discussion that we had or the detail of what, what it is that you said at the time. So it's capturing that kind of information in a CRM and you can, there are there are many free CRMs. You mentioned the other day Insightly. There's Insightly, there's uh -huh. Zoho, you know, there's a number of them. There's there's a HubSpot that are, are free CRM tools um, or there's the paid ones. And they're not, they're not too, you know, they're not very expensive. It's more about the point of having that documented customer relationship management for how you transact with your customers and that if a rep that you have in your organization leaves the business mm. where is where is the detail Taking that, that person that yeah, with them. it leaves it walks out the door mm. or it's in their diary which is not a place that you want to have customer communication and contact frequency and points of contact put into a diary you want it in, in uh, put into a customer relationship management application so critical to the success of a business and I am truly amazed at how many small businesses I've seen in the short period of time that I've, I've been doing this that don't have a CRM in place yeah, yeah. just because they've got it in their head they've got it in their head or they've got or they it think on they do on spreadsheets or, or they've got it in diaries. And uh, the other thing about a CRM is it actually adds value to the business. And I don't mean from a perspective of how you how they go about selling. Of course, that's the, the, the key, you know, uh, uh, benefit of it. But when a, if they're looking to sell their business and a prospective buyer's coming in to buy the business, they have a, a true uh, database of their customers and their the contact points, how often they deal with them, how often they talk to them, that they can actually point to in a in, in a digital sense or in a you know documented sense. So, um, having that electronic customer base is is just worth you know an enormous amount for any business. Yeah. Well, you'd be nuts not to have one. We're going to take a quick break here on Small Biz Matters, and when we come back after the break, we're going to take you through a little bit more of a step by step process on how to enter that information into a product like Insightly for your CRM. You're here on uh, Triple H one hundred point one FM. You'll be back after this. So, welcome back, Gary. After that little um, discussion regarding. Uh just all things Sydney, really. Just traffic. It's just all about traffic. <laughs> it's one of the beauty of things of, of, of living up here, isn't it? Dealing with great businesses and, of course, not having so much city traffic, which is good. So before the break, we were talking a little bit about um, one of the CRMs you suggested is a free online tool that businesses can use called Insightly. Um, now, the thing about a CRM database is I think we can all begin that database with just our existing customers. So that's a good starting point. There's probably at least a dozen lines right there. And tell me what sort of things we should be populating that database with. 
So my message to, to businesses that haven't used a CRM tool before is to, to, to say if you're using an existing billing application like an MYOB or a Xero or something like that, the import of your customers into a CRM tool is reasonably easy to do. So getting the CRM populated with your customers is not a particularly tough task. Then you need to kind of small steps work on the basics just the customer contact points so you actually start to use it for just calling your customers documenting what you've said in the conversations when the next contact point will be to make sure that you're tracking your sales activity Mm -hmm. and that you have those automatic reminders pop up for when to call that customer based on when they told you when their buying cycle is when their budget cycles are whatever it is that's the inflection point for when you should be making that call CRMs are also very good at doing uh, traditional pipeline management, lead management, and actual revenue tracking as well. But uh, so they, you know, a CRM can do all of that for you. It's not doing the actual invoicing; mm. it's doing the tracking of. So you know, as a business owner, what does your pipeline look like? So am I going to actually hit my targets next month? Am I going to hit my targets the following month? What have I got in the funnel that's going to be delivering what the business needs to be successful and to survive? So. The message is start small uh, or start start simple with just the contact management. So actually just getting the customers in there, getting the feel of how you keep the, the, the rolling contact management part of it. And then as you get more proficient with it, start to populate things like there's a lead. What's the value of the lead? And then does that lead convert into a prospect or into an actual opportunity um, that you're now tracking an opportunity to, to its closure and then what the revenue of that opportunity is worth? So you actually get full visibility of your pipeline uh, and your opportunity flows for where you're tracking as a business to succeed against the targets that you set for yourself or the revenues that you need to generate to keep your business afloat. It sounds to me like any good piece of software, It a lot of them, even the free ones, have got some really good um, capacity and, and they can be quite a powerful tool, but you need to take the time to sit down and learn how to use it. You do, and, and they, they become a living, breathing um, application because they're only as good as the last person that entered a piece of real data or a piece of real information into the into the tool. So, um, you know, I, I often say to small businesses, for me, oftentimes when I've been asked to engage, I won't engage without a CRM mm. because it's the it's the mechanism for me to track my activity in that customer's account if I'm doing work for them. Uh, and it's, the, it's then the handoff to say, this is what I've done for you. You now have a platform of um, future contact, future opportunity, future pipeline that you need to manage from there. Uh, so it's it's critical. I just uh, I see CRM as being the the kind of the glue that holds a, a business, any business, small or large, together for how they manage their sales activities. Unless they're only dealing with you know four or five customers, but even then, four or five customers can have multiple touch points within one customer account, and so you need to be tracking all of those touch points as well, and who's had what conversations at what times and what's been said. So one of the aspects when we talk about sales, if if we want to think of it as a, I guess. For want of a better word, an old-fashioned term, what, what we really are talking about that's old-fashioned is cold calling. Yeah, cold calling has a, has a different uh, flavour. If you, if you speak to five people, you'll get five different answers on, on what's meant by cold calling. <laughs> but um, I think to, in today's business-to-business selling world, that cold calling needs to be a little smarter. So there needs to be a little more research done into the, the customer segmentation that you're actually going after. Um, you know, we spoke about LinkedIn the other day and the use of LinkedIn. Again, uh, you know, LinkedIn has uh, a, a number of paid versions. Um, 
the sales navigator version of LinkedIn, which I mentioned to you, I think is critical for small businesses to have as well. Yes, it has a cost attached to it, but it is invaluable for the the insights and information that you can get for target customers that you're wanting to chase and and uh, and try and do business with. So you're actually not so much cold calling, you're warm calling with an intelligent uh, piece of research that's been done into the customer that you're wanting to, to get to. You know who the people are that are in that customer, you know what they do um, by, by virtue of where they've worked previously as well. So people that are in the account, you might have seen their history of where they worked. You might have a, a mutual acquaintance. So you, you instantly have more of a warm call than you do a, a true cold call. So when customers say to me, we just want to do cold calling, I kind of say, I won't pick up the phone and just open the yellow pages. For me, LinkedIn is my Bible of that more uh, integrated approach to how I go out to a, to a demographic of customers that I know I'm going to be able to get some intelligent uh, intelligence on the customers before I ring them. Yeah. Is that something that, uh, say, for example, you want to start growing a, a sales force underneath you, your business is growing well enough that you can engage people specifically for sales, uh, they should be familiar with LinkedIn. They should absolutely be familiar with LinkedIn. And, and again, I think I mentioned to you the other day that I'm quite surprised that, um, you know, I guess I say I'm surprised, but that's because I've been using it for as long as I have mm. at uh, the number of businesses that aren't using LinkedIn for that very purpose. And, and it's such a goldmine of information um, and, and, a, and a lead source that it, it's, it should just be second nature in it for a B2B, for B2B selling, um, you know, for business to consumer selling, Facebook is probably the, 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 the better, the better, um, you know, option there. Um, I'm not even on Facebook, so I only use <gasps> LinkedIn. <No. laughs> How does that even work in life? <laughs> yeah, it is, it is a little bit like that. And people do ask me that and I just say, I just haven't had the need. Time. It's It will probably change, but mm. um, yeah, it, it's just been that LinkedIn has been my Bible of uh, where I do my business and, and uh, where I do my communications with customers that I want to connect with. It's funny how the evolution of sales in, in a small business world, we're talked about we talk about Facebook as a sales platform so much, but when you think about it, that really is where you want to talk to consumers. But if consumers are not your end goal as a customer, why would you be talking to them on a non-business platform? LinkedIn, I guess, by the sounds of it, I mean, I'm sure there's potentially others as well, but that is the major source for business-to-business -business selling. Yeah, absolutely. And I have this uh, warm debate with a number of people around, yes, but there are business customers that are on Facebook as well. Mm. And that's true, they are. But 99% of the time, those business customers are actually doing more of their business um, kind of networking through LinkedIn. So it's not, yes, they'll be there. So that's not to say that advertising or keeping connected on Facebook is not an or appropriate thing reminding. to do, brand reminders. Mm, mm. Um, but the actual true business networking, I believe, in a B2B selling in world and environment happens on LinkedIn more so than it does on, on Facebook. And, and you mentioned the other day that um, obviously when, when you engage with people as an outside consultant, they're going to check you out naturally, but the second person they're going to check out is the person that you're representing, which will be the MD of the company that, that you happen to be calling for. Um, tell me some really basic musts that everybody should have on their LinkedIn profile. So you... You absolutely should have all of your contact details and you should make sure that your contact details are updated. The number of people even just, to, again, that I've spoken to in, in recent weeks where they've said, but my mobile number is on LinkedIn, I go, no, it's not. Your web page, you don't have a link on your to, you know, on your your personal page to your company web page. Um, 
you haven't got your kind of promise of value clearly articulated or what it is that you actually do. Um, and not having three or four profiles on LinkedIn, you only want to have one profile. So if you've done things over the years where you might have made mistakes and you've joined it, you know, and you've set yourself up two or three times, kill off the ones that aren't relevant and only have one one LinkedIn profile. You can't have more than one because otherwise people are confused. And again, of course, yeah, I've seen that before when I've yeah. been trying to hunt people down. I've gone, but that's in the same area that you're in. Doesn't have a photo, a photo, and there's only one or two connections. Is and that you? Yeah, that's right. That it, looks really unprofessional when you think about it. It does, uh, and 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 then people go, I, I don't know which one is you and which one is the place that you're currently working at because it, people haven't ended when they worked in a place or so it's like I'm not sure who I'm dealing with here or which person it is. The other thing is make sure that you've got a good photo. So it's a, a photo that, you know, you don't, you're not wearing glasses, you, you know, your, your face is clearly visible. Um, it's got a kind of a warm smile about you so that you, you look like someone that's warm and engaging that people want to actually engage with. Um, and um, yeah, that all of your detail is up to date and post regularly. I mean, um, I, uh, you know, w w when I started in this role, I tore down all of my posts that were kind of pure technology based posts because people would have looked at that and gone, that's kind of boring. Uh, and I'm now obviously doing more of the, the, the sales and the world of selling posts, but I'm posting or sharing content regularly that I believe will be relevant to obviously my audience, which is people that want to say, well, we want to engage a sales consultant to work with us so we want to see that they're putting our content of relevance. How far back should you get rid of irrelevant content in reality? About um, a year? Yeah, I guess it depends on whether you're, you're transitioning from a different role but um, if it's still relevant then you can leave it there. People will only look at your probably your last you know 10 or 20 posts anyway. They may not go much beyond that mm -hmm. um, but if there's absolutely irrelevant content there then, then that should be taken down, yeah. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, the LinkedIn profile is, is very, very important to, to make sure that people can very easily get to you, they get to your website. The correlation between what it is that you've said you do on your LinkedIn profile marries to what it is at the website that people will be pointing to says as well, mm -hmm. um, because then there's that kind of linkage that says, right, I know that Gary does this, his website says he does that, so he's that's the right thing. That's what I'm looking for. I've done my two pieces of research uh, and they marry up, yeah. And be careful, of course, if somebody's going to engage with you um, and there's a lot of trust involved in your business, um, you've got to make sure that whatever other online presence that you have is pretty squeaky clean too. So um, go through your Facebook page, maybe go back to the back end and make sure that any posts that you've got on there are not necessarily public, that you don't wish to be public, that, you know, turn off that public feature and actually delete out or change those posts. So I do that quite regularly is like I get a bit concerned about, you know, my kids um, being online. I mean, who am I kidding? You know, everything's public these days. But if you go through your posts and you see things that you don't want to be public, I had a couple of friends who are in the IT industry go, um, oversharing much, you might want to remove the settings from that so it's not public. Yeah. So, <laughs> so do go through that occasionally because Facebook is a bit tricky and will change the ball game and change the you know, change your settings without your knowledge, which is awesome. So do go through and just check that, that you're not doing anything too public that you wouldn't want a potential client to be looking at. Yeah, and the other thing that's uh, super important is that, um, you know, I guess a rule that I was told about LinkedIn is don't, don't say or post anything that you wouldn't uh, be happy to talk to your mother, your brother, your children about because if you get involved in religious or political statements, you can alienate um, a group of customers who may not be 
in tune with what your thinking is. So try and keep your content to being very relevant to business rather than to anything that might have a political or religious bent that might alienate you from from a group of customers that you're trying to get to or that you already have uh, because they can leave you in a heartbeat based on a, um, a post that you might put up that you know, upsets them and they go, well, I don't want to do business with that person anymore. And, 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 and that's where loyalty can be ch- uh, challenged very quickly if you say the wrong thing. I guess if you're not sure, maybe just um, jump onto LinkedIn, find someone that you think would do it well. It might be a, a local business coach that you know works the system very well and have a look at the sort of thing that they're posting. What does their profile look like? Uh, what what information about themselves have they divulged? And, and maybe base, not so much what they've said, but base their profile on what you would um, expect yourself to look like on LinkedIn and get a profile picture, get a proper one done. They're not expensive and it's such a good investment because (laughs) the number of times you go to look up someone who you think is um, quite professional and has a good standing in the community and they've got some dorky picture that was taken by their, you know, webcam. (laughs) And and the other thing on that one is that uh, I, I see this a lot is that People have got their LinkedIn picture or, or, or you know, Instagram photo uh, profile or whatever picture from from when they were you know, thirty years ago, um, and so if you're looking to meet somebody and, and you know they're not that same person anymore. Plus, it also sometimes again it's just a personal view, but um, they want to see that uh, you know customers want to see the the um, authenticity. Authenticity. They want to see. Yeah, they want to see the maturity of the person that I'm dealing with. If you look like you're a 15 year old from when you took your photo uh, <laughs> back in the early 70s or something um, people are thinking is that the same person that's yeah. telling me they've been in this game for 28 years yeah. it doesn't look like the same person that I'm, I'm talking to there so the brain doesn't compute that very well so make sure your picture's current um, you know and if there's if there's a little bit of gray hair there so there's a little bit of gray hair there you know it's, it's uh, okay it's okay yeah. <laughs> are we going to take a quick break here on small biz matters uh, you're listening to Gary from your sales manager telling us all about some great tips on selling your business, but also just making sure that you've got some great LinkedIn presence and and everything is authentic. And well, we've been talking about heaps. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back after this. You're listening to Small Biz Matters on Triple H 100.1 FM. And welcome back to Sales Miz... Sales Miz... I try again. And welcome back to Small Biz Matters. You're listening to Alexi Boyd, your small business advocate and trusted advisor. Plus, we've got a wonderful person in the room, Gary, from Your Sales Manager, who's talking to us about sales. Now, at the beginning of the program, we talked a little bit about the difference between sales and marketing, Gary. Can you help me articulate it? Because, I don't know, I think it's become all mushed and wishy-washy and, and small businesses, if you're not an expert in the field like you are, might not quite understand where sales fits as opposed to marketing in your business. A great point. And, and I had somebody give a very elegant kind of uh, um, description of the differences between the two. So, so marketing is about talking to an audience. You're talking to a group of people or to hundreds or thousands of people in how your messaging gets into the market. And sales is about me talking to you. So the messaging is about how do I sell my product and service or product and service to you as opposed to how do, how do I pitch it to the masses. Mm. And then we spoke about the, the, the smarketing terminology the other day, which is the, 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 the piece in the middle. And that's where sales have to take marketing's messages and marketing have to take sales messages and make sure that they're absolutely linked in how the individual engagement happens. So I need to decipher the broad brush marketing communications that go to market and say, I've got to 
put that into sales speak mm-hmm. and marketing need to be on board with how that translates back into the marketing speak so that there's actually a united communication for what that business is presenting externally, both in sales and in marketing. And of course, that middle piece in the middle, which is this marketing piece where they come together and make sure that the messages work. I think that's one way that the world, the corporate world, um, when they do it well, is it's a good way that we can learn from that as small businesses because they very much have the sales team, which I think you've articulated that beautifully. They are the, the ones who talk directly one-on-one or directly to the customer, whereas the marketing team are, I guess, painting a picture with a brand strategy or with a way that they communicate to the masses but they both have to be aware of each other and if you put the two separate hats on as a small business owner you need to be aware of what your marketing is doing in order to work off that to then speak individually to that client and that's where coming back to that what you were saying at the beginning of the program your website the website that marketing piece or, or your facebook posts those marketing pieces they need to reflect how you're communicating with that individual person because they're going to use that as a tool. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just working with a business at the moment where they revamped their website and, and you know, they had an external marketing consultant and, and uh, you know, they were asking for my feedback on what that website should look like. And when they were finished and, they, and I went onto the website, I just, I said to them, as somebody that doesn't know your business, I look at that page and I have no idea what you're doing. Mm. I have no idea what you do, mm. why you do it, what you're selling, what your service is. Um, you know what the messaging is. And so that's where this marketing thing comes in. And they, you know, they were trying to get too high up in the umbrella marketing pitch for anyone to actually have a have an understanding of what it looks like in reality. They were high clouding. They were much, much blue too skying. much too blue skying on that one. So <laughs> um, there was a there was a very quick realization where I just said to them, take your take your business hat off for knowledge that you know about your own business, and tell me, looking at that website, you would know what you do. Mm. And they they went, you're right. We have to go back to the drawing board and have a look what that looks like. And it's difficult to do that. It's difficult to take that um, business owner hat off and try and be the consumer. But don't forget, you can ask your really good clients to, for some feedback. Absolutely. People it, it, love giving feedback. It is critical to ask for feedback along the way. And and personally, I, I you know, I still ask for a lot of feedback. And I, uh, you know, even if I put up a post, I ask a few people to read it and just tell me their thoughts on it before I post something. If I'm sharing somebody else's post, that's easy. Um, but if I'm creating my own content, I always like to make sure that, that there's agreement that it sounds right, it looks right. Mm. Um, so, yeah, definitely bounce, you know, other um, uh, bouncing boards for for free of people is, is critical. Absolutely oh, there was something critical. you said the other day when you had a look at my website, you go, well, where are you? Yeah. <laughs> and I went, oh, good point. Yeah. <laughs> the about us. The about us doesn't have to be, um, you know, we are the best at what we do and we try and keep our customers satisfied no matter what and we'll bend over backwards for you to do the thing that we do. And you're sitting there looking going, well, what is it? Tell me. Yeah. What is it that you do, do. about Absolutely. us? And, and don't be afraid to put those fabulous pictures that you just spent a lot of money on onto your website and give yourself a face the, the face behind the, the brand definitely because that's Ab- what that's what we're, that's why people engage with small business because they want to be not only supporting a small business but they they want to they want to know that they're going to get that one-on-one customer, customer relationship, relationship yeah, yeah to work with that um so say for example you're getting to the point where you can envisage growing and you realize that you're crap at sales and you think okay i need to hire someone to grow my business specifically in a sales role what should you, apart from someone who understands how to use LinkedIn, which we've already established, what should you expect expect from those sales staff? 
So I think there's a few things. Firstly, the assessment should be, are you ready to employ a full-time person? Because there is a huge community of on-demand or freelance sales, as, as I am, capacity that you can uh, look at in the first instance to say, do I jump into a full-time person straight away? And um, and if so, then that's fine. Um, but there might be a, you know an opportunity to test the waters before you go into that full time capacity. Because once you take on a full time rep, you then have the the full time cost. You've got the management of that person. The whole the whole shooting match that goes with having a a, a, a full time employee. So know your numbers. Put, putting my bookkeeping hat on right now. Know your numbers. Can you afford to put someone on? And remember that a salary is not just a salary. It's a salary. It's the admin. It's the super. It's the training. It's everything else you're expected to do when you. Have have staff. Absolutely. And it's also a case of, you know, you have to, whatever that salary is, you actually need to work on that salary covering you for 46 weeks of a year, not for 52 because you've got four weeks leave and two weeks sick leave, which people tend to, to take in one in one way or another. So, you know, the actual real dollar value for that person is actually a lot higher than their, their annual salary. Mm. Not to put people off hiring people, we must no, say. No, definitely That's not. very important. Definitely you just not, have to yeah. know whether you can yeah, afford yeah, yeah. it. The, the, whether that the inflection point and your, your, your break-even or, or cost point is enough to support that that rep with with what targets they have to achieve and are those targets achievable as well mm. but from from a, a sales reps perspective they should definitely be using a CRM tool that should be a mandatory from day one um, and, and know how to use a CRM tool um, you should have full visibility of their diaries to make sure that they're optimizing their selling time so that you can see what their activity is at the end of the day, you're paying a person to do a job and that job means being in front of customers or if it's not in front of customers, it's on the phone uh, where CRM is logging those calls and diaries are tracking the, the, the meetings as is CRM. So CRM would also be a, a, a record of those meetings. Um, checking on the quantities of quantities and quality of calls. So if, if, if your reps are making phone calls and doing face-to-face calls, you want to be assessing how successful those calls are because if I'm doing a hundred and I'm only getting one, um, maybe maybe there's some coaching that needs to happen for, for why that is and to have a look at how that activity is being undertaken. And, and that's essentially what a good consultant does as well is to have a look at that. Um, and a periodic assessment, a health check on, on the rep because just this morning on the way in, I was reading an article about over... A period of time all of a sudden a rep has been asked to do can you do that piece of work for me can you do that job for me can you do that job for me and all of a sudden they sh- their focus has shifted away from what they were employed to do so back to core activities so if you were employed to sell then selling is what you do uh, i'm not expecting you to um you know pick up the the mail from the you know the post office and i'm not expecting you to do errands that are non non-selling related um so do those health checks because it's two things it's lost revenue opportunity you're also demotivating the rep. If they like selling, they want to be out there selling. They don't want to be doing the post office run. Mm. So those are probably the, some of the, the key things that you would expect from uh, from, from a good sales rep. Uh, you know, and of course punctuality. So being where they say they're going to be at the time that they're going to be, and making sure that their commitment to customer is absolute. And that they reflect your business, they, they're dressed appropriately. They're, all of those, yes. Yeah, all of those things. And that, and that <clears> will <throat> depend on what sort of industry you're in. Obviously, you're not, they're not going to be in a suit and tie if they're heading to a construction site, for example, Correct. which is fine. But they still have to be well-groomed, well-dressed, because they are the face of your company, Absolutely. which is so important. Yeah. Um, would you expect, um, like with all good sales, you need to have those HR elements. You need to make sure that they're being continually assessed, but also trained. So the opportunity needs for them to have some professional development there as well. Um, I guess 
in a sales in that sales realm would you say that they might get easily bored if they're not given those challenges so how do you continue to challenge them and how do you set those targets i mean i'm really speaking from the mind of a small business owner who's never dealt with anyone in sales have always done their own how do you set those targets do you keep it quite simple to begin with and have an open conversation well setting setting t- uh, sales targets i guess comes down to the um the break-even point of the business so the business had to support that rep has to sell so much of their product or service to cover the cost of that rep so mm. there is your target position mm. Mm. unless you're making an investment where you can actually uh afford to have that rep not be earning you know while you make that investment in in getting to the mar- getting to market um but typically sales people are driven by success so they like to make the sales they like to be successful um they enjoy the compensation plans that come with being in sales. So, you know, I don't think there's too many salespeople that you would find that just love selling but don't enjoy the spoils that come with it by the compensation plans that sit behind it. And that's, that varies. You know, it doesn't. Uh, in different industries pay different um, commission plans or whatever it might be. But typically salespeople are driven by that kind of thing. And it may, it may not be that your compensation plan has hard hardwired commissions it could be that there are incentives that come along you know it's a trip to the blue mountains or it's a trip overseas or it's a trip somewhere um or other type of incentives that 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 just make sure you check with your accountant about that one absolutely <laughs> to make sure that they're, they're all you know that you're not in breach of the uh, what's it, i can't remember what the <laughs> um but yeah make sure that they're all, all all above board but um so so reps like that they also want the tools and the technologies that allow them to maximize their selling time so you know, again, like if you're putting a CRM in place, please don't ask me to have to come back to the office and sit at a desktop to enter that information. <laughs> right. Give me a laptop, give yes. me a tablet, yeah. give me a phone yeah. where I can do it in field and it's done. The same with my expense management, the same with... So all of those minor things that, that kind of uh, keep a rep in field and, and happy to continually be in field and not be drawn back into office or to home office or to desk to do things... Um, are important as well. So new technologies that come along that enable them to do their job better Mm. is up to the business owner and also to the rep to bring things forward to say, hey, there's this new and exciting thing that lets me do my job better. Can we have a look at it? Mm. Um, So that symbiotic relationship between business owner and the rep for the betterment of the business to say we can sell more or do more if we do this Mm. um, is also critical. So setting up that relationship um, early in the piece is also very important with with the reps. And and where do people find salespeople? Is it is it really just a matter of going onto maybe one of the jobs boards website? Um, there's a there's a new great new job board called um, I Want to Work. Yes, I saw, um, I saw yeah, the other one. Yeah, 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 that's that's a pretty exciting new thing where you can be a bit more specialised with what you're looking for as an employer. Um, is that is that a good place to start? Definitely. And so again, you know, the, the full time positions. I mean, you can go to your traditional, you know, the Sikhs of the world. Um, but you're probably better off advertising on the likes of LinkedIn because LinkedIn, again, is attracting that professional. Mm. So LinkedIn job advertising is also a massive you know, opportunity. And, and, then, and people who are in sales, like you said, better know their LinkedIn stuff anyway. Definitely. So, yeah, it's so, a good place so to start. Good reps will be looking for, in B2B selling roles, will be looking for roles probably more so on LinkedIn than anywhere else um, because they'll be wanting to... 
uh, understand what linkages they have to that business to try and help them get to the interview. Oh, yes. It's a sales process when you're going for a job, right? So they were doing the same thing using LinkedIn to help them get to the job interview, to get the interview. So it's a good interview question for you. Like, what research have you done on this business? Absolutely. <laughs> done. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and then, yeah, there's also a, a myriad of different um, on-demand um, sales sites I want to work is, is one, for example, um, where people are drawn to being freelancers like myself, where mm-hmm. I might belong to a community that is that freelance entity. So there's a lot of those around as well um, that people can pull resource and work resource from. I'd, I'd probably stay away from the, the true freelancers of the world um, because it's kind of maybe a little lower level um, and, and, and move up the food chain a little bit for where you go for your, if you want to have true on-demand sales capacity representing your business um, to, to look higher up at the stack than Well, it's than like anything, you know, you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. Correct. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So I think um, that's, that's a really interesting point is just that if you do go down the road of sales staff, there's definitely the freelancers, the, the consultants options. And I don't think from what we were discussing that you're going to get anything less of true value from a consultant as long as they're a good one and they get to know your business and they intrinsically link like any good um, outsourced person would do to really understand your business to get you the most out of it, definitely. And then, of course, hiring someone, great. There's some awesome um, New South Wales jobs incentives at the moment to hire people, and particularly um, the over-55s. The incentives are fantastic for those, I mean, and especially in sales. (laughs) You could have someone with 30 years selling experience Experience. working for you. Imagine that. So definitely make sure that you consider that as well and, um, and make sure, like with everything, with any new business change, you don't do it when you're really ridiculously busy. It's probably not a good time to engage with a new staff member on any capacity. No, that's right, because you won't have the, the time to, to devote to onboarding them. And onboarding is critical because that's where, you know, a new person into the organisation, whatever role they're in, is their first impression of how this business is going to treat me moving forwards and more so in sales because the expectation for salespeople to, you know, get out the door and start selling um, is, is almost immediate. So um, make sure you've, you've got the time to to onboard them and educate them in how you want them to, to go about um, representing your business and products and services very mm. quickly. Yeah. Mm. Well, this has been an absolutely fantastic show. Thank you so much for joining me, Gary. Give me a quick plug for your website as well. Uh, so it's your, yoursalesmanager.net.au and, uh, yeah, I would be I would welcome the opportunity to talk to any small business that wants to have a chat. I, I quite often just have general discussions about um you know, the health and well-being of their businesses. So willing to talk to people if they want to give me a call. And all of my contact details are on my website, Funny on, my, on my LinkedIn <laughs> on my LinkedIn profile. So you can contact me and find me very easily um, and uh, more, than, more than happy to engage. Uh, the one thing that I, I would like to just say is that um, if you're engaging with a consulting um, entity, whoever that may be, try and work with people that are prepared to actually execute on the activity that they consult on because consultants often will give you a warm fluffy picture of this is what can be done and then they walk away and you've paid them and then it's up to you to execute um if you work with people that actually say and and i will execute on this activity as well and here's my price to execute on that activity you know you've got somebody that's actually completely bought into the success of how this would work if they were actually doing the work for you Mm. um so there's a fine line between just saying here's all the the fluffy stuff and as i mentioned to you before so many people have been caught up in the world of you know the digital marketing world and spent lots and lots of money and the promise of delivery and and uh, uh, um um 
lead and, and uh, revenue hasn't happened mm. um, because it was kind of presented as a, this is what should happen and then people walk away. You yeah, not this is what we do. This, yeah. this is not what will happen or prepared to put out, you know, uh, uh, back it with what we would actually execute on as well. So Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good point. So make sure that when you're engaging with any consultant that, that, that they can deliver on what it is that they yeah. claim to be doing. You may choose to execute for yourself, mm. but that they would be prepared to do it and have a proposal to show how they would do it. Mm. So you know, you know that it's it's something that's achievable. It's yeah. genuine, exactly. Look, thank you once again for coming you, on Alexia. the show. Appreciate it's been full of information. If you've just dived in now and you've been listening and you'd like to hear more, you can, of course, catch our podcast on the smallbizmatters.com.au website. Just go to the blogs and podcast page and all of our guests' podcasts are available for you to listen to right there and then. And, of course, any feedback is welcome. We're also on Facebook. If you're uh, an expert in your field and you'd like to give some of your advice away for free, <laughs> why not? Um, just come and uh, get in contact with you via the Facebook page and we can have a coffee meeting as we did, you and I, Gary. Thank you everyone for joining me. We are right on the news time. You've been listening to Small Biz Matters on Triple H 100.1 FM. We'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us.